Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. There are children that believe that produce is produced at the grocery store. They have no concept that tomatoes have to be grown somewhere and cucumbers and zucchini and lettuce all are produced. And I find it fairly fascinating that all that wonderful produce we get in the winter is from the southern hemisphere. Those wonderful big thick grapes that Vicky buys for me are grown in Chile. And they, they ship them up here. We are, we are consumers and they're willing to sell us their grapes. But there are little children who believe, oh, where, do you, where does corn come from? And they'll tell you, the grocery store. Well, in Jesus' time, there was no grocery store. Chances are you were either growing it or bartering for it because you grew something else that that person wanted. Have you ever noticed that there is no corn really mentioned in the Bible? You might say, well, why is that, Dr. Madison? I actually know the answer. We're going to get there, but let's say you live in South Jersey. You're not a farmer, but you want to grow a garden. Well, you got to get a catalog. We have these all over the house. Now, Vicki has already planted the garden, so she no longer has a seed catalog in the house. But this is a perennial handbook, right? Because we, well, some of you have been to our house when we were, had the Sunday school picnic before COVID. But we have a garden behind where we park our cars and then for vegetables. Then she has a garden in front of our house that has... Koyas and all these plants whose names I don't know. And I make up names, which makes her laugh. She has something called a japonica bush. I call it a harmonica bush. <laughs> makes her laugh every time. But how do we get all these great bushes? She goes through the catalog. Now, I want you to think about this, folks. Is your church growing? Don't answer that out loud, because that's for you and the people who are listening. Is your church growing? Well, the kingdom of God is compared to a farmer. So the farmer says, well, let's look at the catalog. The Christians in church should be looking at their Bibles, right? Ooh, I like that one. Ooh, I like that one. Ooh, I like that one, right? But your garden will not grow if all you do is look at the catalog. So then you find, let's say you want some corn on the cob. I love my corn on the cob. My grandfather had a rule. It was a family rule. You did not break this rule. You were not allowed to get corn on the cob until July 4th. Because any corn on the cob you got before July 4th was probably not Jersey corn. I had a picnic two weeks ago. All three of my kids were there with their wives and their grandkids. And uh, there's a butcher in town who makes... Uh, fresh burgers with a mixture of ground chuck and brisket. These burgers, you're not allowed to tell Vicky this. These burgers cost $2.50 each, and they are worth every penny. And you may know that I got a new Weber grill. I finally, as a grown-up, have a Weber grill. Not one of those char broils that rots in four years. This is guaranteed parts for 10 years, I got a Weber grill. I cooked all of that. I marinated some pineapple. 
Well, if you're going to have burgers and potato salad and pineapple, you got to have. And I broke the rule. I, I went to ShopRite and I bought the corn on the cob before the 4th of July, and it was terrible. <laughs> it was not Jersey corn. It was terrible. Grandfather in heaven, I apologize and I repent for buying corn, right? That should be the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not buy corn before July 4th. Now, why are we talking about corn? Because I don't know if you know this, but before 1902, it's a very important date in the life of corn on the cob, before 1902, people did not grow corn to eat. In fact, last summer, you may remember, I went out to Ephraim, Pennsylvania. They did a work camp there, and, and I went to speak. And there were these wonderful cornfields. And, and the song in uh, Oklahoma was right. And the corn was as high as an elephant's eye. You're, you're driving through in this. I said, wow, look at all this corn. And the pastor laughed. He said, Doc, we don't eat that corn. I said, what? He said, that's feed corn. Not fit for human. I said, what? Well, where does the corn come from? He says, well, I'll point it out. And, and there were fields of corn for us. But most of it was feed corn. Why? Well, it seems as though there was a man in Massachusetts, and if I had remembered my sermon notes, I could tell you this man's name. It's in my notes. Had his own little garden, and he had, everybody agreed, the most delicious corn on the cob. And when he died, he gave the seeds to a friend who also grew it. And when he died, he gave it to a friend who sent all the seeds there were in the world for the corn on the cob that we all eat was two little jars. And he gave it to a man named Burpee. That's the man's actually name. You may recognize, if you're a gardener, the name Burpee. And he planted the corn and harvested and grew and grew and grew until he could put the corn out on the market. You may have seen this. It's called the Sweet Corn Bantam. He called it, he renamed it Bantam Gold Sweet Corn. And in 1902, he put it on the market so that home farmers, like all of us, could grow corn on the cob. But I want you to think about this. This will not get you corn on the cob. You, you could read the catalog. You could buy the seeds. Do you have corn on the cob yet? No. What do you have to do? You have to do what the Bible said. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who plants the seeds. Now, how do you plant those seeds? Wiki and I were actually talking about this before church. You have to remember that the main thing, the reason that we are here is to eat. No, that's not it. <laughs> is to sing. No, that's not it. To feed the poor. No, that's not it. Those are all wonderful things. The reason we're here is to preach the gospel. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, is it easier to preach the gospel if the person's not hungry? Of course it is. Have a dinner. But make sure that you don't have a dinner just for the sake of having a dinner. But make it to invite the person to church. Make it to invite them to... Coffee house. 
use that event to do the main thing. In fact, Lee Iacocca wrote a book called Iacocca. That man has a very big ego, and he should because he brought uh, Pontiac and General Motors back from the brink. They said, how did you do it? He said, I always keep the main thing, the main thing. The church today is, and I want you to hear this, they're spending all their time reading the catalog and buying the seeds, and nobody's planting the garden. And then we look around at our empty churches and we go, well, where is everybody? Did you plant any seeds? Have you done the work? Now, Jesus also makes it very clear, which I like, that once we plant the seed, we are not responsible for the seed's growth. I want you to hear that. Vicki plants her garden right next to Tom's garden. Now, Vicki has this little shaker bottle that's got miracle grow pellets in it. I am not a gardener. I'm an opera singer. I don't like working in the heat. You know I don't like to kneel down on the ground and dig in it. That ain't happening. Let me sing a high B flat any day of the week. I'm a happy man. I do not like gardening. I love the person who gardens. So she, she goes and buys tomatoes and stuff at Home Depot. And then she digs a hole. And then she takes the shaker of miracle Grow. Puts the shake in, plants the plant. Well, last year, her garden is like everywhere. And Tom goes, well, how did that happen? We planted our garden at the same time. We have the same dirt. And Vicky very nicely told him about the miracle grow. So Tom actually planted his garden early this year, about a week and a half, maybe two weeks before Vicky. And now his garden is exploding. Why isn't our garden exploding? Well, there's several reasons, and I want to talk about those. The first one is, and this is for the church universal, we're not planting seeds. We're expecting fish to jump in the boat. Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. <laughs> so we're all in the boat. I mean, this is the metaphor. We're in the boat or we're in the garden. We're, we're at the wedding banquet. Jesus made all those great metaphors for us. And we're all sitting in the boat and we're waiting for fish to jump in the boat. Has that ever happened to anybody? No. You've got to be fishers of men. Same idea. You've got to plant the seeds. So the first reason that the church universal is not growing is we're not planting. The second thing, and I want you to hear this because I just read a really good book called Making Disciples in the 21st Century by Joel Comiskey. And he believes that we need to have small groups. We talked about that a little bit last week. Plant a cell group, and then Sunday becomes a celebration. Now, he didn't say this, but as I was reading the book, and I don't know if your professors taught you this, but while you're reading a book, you should have an internal dialogue with the author. Like questions you would love to ask the author if you ever met him or to help you understand the book better. And one of the questions I, I, I'm thinking about sugar peas. Why are you thinking about sugar peas, Doc? Well, let me tell you why. We plant little sugar peas in pre-K-4 because it only takes, I believe, 17 days from the planting of the seed until that little green pokes through. And the teacher has to tell the children for those 17 days, stop digging in the plant. 
It will not grow, right? Because the kid wants to, well, where is it? And they want to dig it up and look at the little seed. It doesn't work that way. God says, plant the seed and trust me, the Holy Spirit will grow the seed. So what do we do? We examine people to see if their faith is exactly where we think it should be. I actually visited a church. It broke my heart. One of my old ladies at the Bible study when I was at the mall ministry, and it's okay because they were all old ladies, said, I'd really like you to preach at my church. And she called her son, who was the head of the deacons, and he said, yes, we'd love to hear you preach. And I got there, and they had a narthex, just like we do, and the door was closed. He said, Doc, I have to ask you a couple questions. And he examined my faith before I was allowed in the sanctuary. He literally quizzed me on if I knew what it was to have Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. Before I was allowed into the sanctuary. And when I came in, they walked me right up to the front and they said, this is Doc Madison. He's at the Echelon Mall Ministry. He has been examined and is welcome in our service. I'm thinking, who wants to go to a church like that? In essence, put him in all black armor, give him a sword and have him say, none shall pass. Now that's for the Monty Python fans in the group. But, right? So one of the things they talked about in the book is that we, we as the church need to do four things and they all begin with a W. And if you're taking notes, these, these are they. The first one is this. We need to be welcoming. Now raise your hand if you're not a sinner. I'll wait. Good. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. It doesn't say everybody but Baptists. It says, For all have sinned. Everyone who walks through that door has sin in their life. Do I want to know what your sin is? No, because I don't want you to know what my sin is. And thank goodness that's between you and the Holy Spirit and God. But I need to get it clear that everybody who walks through that door is a sinner. My best friend, I have two of them. First time I met him was at a youth camp. And I shook his hand and I said, welcome, you ugly sinner. He has never forgotten that, and he has never let me forget it. And he said, you know what, Doc? That's the first time that everybody, anybody ever told me the truth. Mm. Now, I, I don't think we should put a greeter at the door, and as people come in, they say, welcome, you ugly sinner. But we need to welcome the ugly sinners. Why? Because we are the ugly sinners. The first W is welcome. We need to welcome the people here. Every sinner needs to be welcome here. Now, in the 90s, they used to say that divorce was the only sin that God didn't forgive because we didn't know how to handle divorced people in the church. Divorced people in the church felt uncomfortable, and a lot of them left. Well, guess what? That's no greater sin or lesser sin than the one that everybody in the church who was deciding they couldn't come committed. We need to make it clear to ourselves and to anybody that comes through that door that everybody is welcome because we're all sinners in need of a savior. The second W is worship. I, I am so glad if you couldn't tell that we are allowed to sing. I, I like singing. If you didn't know that about me, I like singing. I just got a new contract to sing with the opera company for my 29th season. If you can't see, I'm doing a dance. I, I love to sing. Why? 
I love to sing because I'm good at it, and you love to do things you're good at. I also love to sing the praises of God. He says he, he inhabits the praise of his people. We need to get excited about worship. Now, I am very uncomfortable, because I'm a good Methodist, when people call out in the middle of the sermon, you know, the amens and the... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm bigger than you, Right? I, I can take a little bit of it, but I've, I, I was taught not to talk over other people. So I was preaching at a church where they were dialoguing with me during the sermon, and I kept stopping. Because if they're going to talk, I, I'm not going to talk. That's also part of the school teacher of me. And the pastor came up and he said, just talk over them. I said, I, 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 my mom didn't teach me that, right? But... Worship should be an exciting thing. We need to stand up. We need to raise our voices. We, some churches raise their hands. Now, if you've been in a motorcycle crash where you got hit by a, a table, this is about as high as they go. <laughs> so I'm not a big hand raiser because it caused me physical pain. You're allowed to raise your hands. First, we need to welcome. Then we need to worship. The third one is word. We need to... Read the catalog. Why? Because different seeds plant in different soils. I want you to hear that. I've seen bumper stickers all over that say, grow where you're planted. And I believe in that. Right? We need to be as involved in local missions as we are in foreign missions. Because we need to grow where we're planted. It's so much easier to write a check and send somebody else to do the work. We need to grow where we're planted right here. But Jesus told a parable about soil. Some are rocky, some are weedy, some are pressed down, and you're going to have to work at it to break that soil up. But the seed still needs to be planted. And we can't plant the seed unless we know the book. The third W is word. So I hope you can see this progression. The last W, not the first W, hear this, the last W is work. There's somebody in my family who puts on canvas gloves and she actually has, I've never seen these before, a kneeling pad for the garden. Have you seen these? They're uh, lineous. It's about, I'd say, two inches thick. It's covered in vinyl and it's got like a cushion inside so that while she's kneeling down digging in the dirt, it's not hurting her knees as much. They should sell those to churches for people to pray. Now, I'm not saying you need to have a cushion to pray at home. You can pray at home anytime you want. But the work of the church requires work. Too many churches have audiences that come to hear, what, what, what's he going to do this week? What's he going to say this week? Are we going to have another one on waffles? You know, what, what, what is going to happen? And then they're entertained and they go home. My ex-wife and I went to hear a very famous speaker back when I was first becoming a pastor, and it really stuck with me. This speaker went for about an hour. He had jokes. He had stories. We were entertained. We were on the edge of our seat. We got in the car, and she looked at me, and she said, do you have anything to take home from that sermon? I said, well, it was really exciting. I enjoyed the stories. There was nothing to take home. There was nothing in that sermon 
to challenge me to grow or to plant. It was just an exciting hour, and then it was over. Well, worship and the word should produce work. We, as a church, and the Church Universal, need to start, uh, here we go again, leaving through the door and taking the gospel with us. Reading the catalog is not enough. Buying seeds is not enough. As a pastor, I'll tell you, I get little packets all the time. Buy this program and your church will grow. Buy this program and your Sunday school will grow. Buy this program. They're selling us seeds. But none of it will work unless we plant. Now let's go to the end of the parable because I'm almost out of time. If we plant and God grows, did you hear what this farmer had to do? He had to get the sickle and do what? Harvest. Right? Jesus said the harvest is here, but the workers are few. That's the W. James says faith without works is dead. So I have a difficult question for you all. If you want to eat corn on the cob, are you willing to do the work? If you want your church to grow, are you willing to do the work? Are you inviting? Are you in praying? Are you dialoguing with people about Jesus? I'm not saying you need to hit them on the head with your Thompson Chain Reference Bible, but you're allowed to invite them for the first W, which is welcome. Welcome. Every sinner is welcome through that door. And I promise I will not greet them by saying, hello, you ugly sinner. I may think it in my heart. I may think it for all of you. You're allowed to think it for me. But here's the good news. I am a sinner saved by grace. If you've never made a decision for Christ, make today that day. During our last hymn, which is uh, pass it on. Feel free to come up and sit in the front pew and our pastors and our deacons would love to pray with you if you've never made a decision for Christ. If you've made a decision for Christ and you are not growing where you planted and you're not planting seeds and you say, Pastor, I need to pray with somebody about what my unique ministry would look like. Again, during the last hymn, the front pews are open. And finally, if you have a personal challenge or an issue with which you need to pray with one of our pastors or deacons, again, during the last hymn, our front pews are open. And folks, in two weeks, what can you do? Eat corn. Buy corn on the cob. <laughs> Amen.